September 28, 2015 was the day the Mulligan family's lives changed forever. Martin Mulligan, a taxi driver from Dundalk, was stabbed by Joseph Hillen on the outskirts of town and left to die on the side of the road. Late last year, Hillen was found not guilty of murder, but guilty of manslaughter by a jury and sentenced last week at the Central Criminal Court by Justice Eileen Creedon to seven years in prison with the final year suspended. On late lunch this afternoon, I'm joined by Martin's daughters, Shauna and Sharon. You're both very welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Um, It can't be easy, I know, for you to uh, join me on the show this afternoon and talk about uh, your dad and all that happened. But look, let's talk first about the sentence and what transpired with the sentence just last week. Shauna, how do you and the family feel about Uh, the manslaughter charge and the years he got? Uh, We're very disappointed first of all with the manslaughter charge because in our opinion it was murder Uh, and then to be so annoyed and upset about that he then got seven years with one year suspended so we're just completely like so disappointed Uh, we just feel like the justice system is very unfair and the scales of justice are not balanced. You um, you sat through the trial, both of you did, and your, your mum and families as well, and listened to everything that you heard. A jury heard it as well. They made the call, you know what I mean? We have to say that, you know, that yeah. it, it was a jury call that was, was made on this. Would a longer sentence or a more substantial sentence have changed anything for you? It wouldn't have changed anything, but it would have... It would have been more in the lines of justice. Yeah. Just it's just six years. It's just it's crazy. My mom said to me last night we were just having a conversation, and she said it, things are actually getting worse for her since it, since the trial's over. She says that she feels like my dad, her her husband's life meant nothing, nothing. That's your mum, Grania, who yeah. was talking to you, and, and yeah. that's her feelings. That that's it, her even feeling. even with this now the, the case sort of closed, that's the way she's feeling and will mm-hmm. feel. Yeah. Just on the sentence itself, there's no talk of an appeal or did you bring this up? I suppose it's the DPP have to decide if, if they make an appeal. Is that it? Yes, it's in the hands of the DPP now. So it's still not decided whether they'll appeal that sentence or not. Is that... Well, the charge can never change. Yes. But the sentence may, but it mightn't be much. Okay. Have you made any representations to them or talked about it or anything? No. They will go to the DPP. Okay. The barrister is definitely going to the DPP. To seek a longer sentence? Yes. Okay, and that's that's for down the road and back to the judge and the courts as well. Um, there was a lot said in the trial. You had to sit through this trial as a family. What was that like to be there and listen to all the evidence? Traumatic. Very traumatic. It took a harder toll on me than I thought it would. Um, things come out in court which I didn't expect to. Yeah, the evidence was extremely hard to listen to. Um, like, da- it came out in court then that Dad had uh, over 30 injuries sustained to his body um, between a blow to the head, the back of his head. He had multiple bruises uh, across his across the front of him and his arms uh, they also took out his jumper as evidence and there was a tear from the start of the v-neck of his jumper right down and it wasn't it wasn't a tear it was actually a cut from a knife and it wasn't done by paramedics or anything like that it was done on the night by by whoever was there mm. so. the 
the knife. You mentioned the knife there, and this has come up on a number of occasions, and whose knife this was. Did your dad carry a knife? Was he a knife carrier? No. Definitely not. Definitely not. He did not have a knife in the taxi that night, or any night. And the story is just so fabricated that the knife was supposed to have been in the driver's side of the passenger door, which just does not make any sense whatsoever because if you're a taxi man, why would you have a knife that size in the passenger side of your taxi? Mm. And after having an altercation, they apparently stood, say, 20, 30 feet away watching my dad run up to his car and grab this knife. So they stood watching doing that. that it's just, it's nuts. It's lies. <laughs> What else? You wanted to mention other things you felt weren't highlighted in, in the course of what, what you sat through, such as? Well, Joe Hill never had to take the stand. It's up to the accused if they want to take the stand or not. I think if he had to take st- the stand, that the verdict would be different, that he possibly would have been... Um, had have caught for a murder charge. You'd think he might have, if he was cross-examined and it went to, <clears throat> into that, that it might have been a different outcome. Yeah. So he never, he, he didn't have to do that in, in no, this case. No, he didn't have to do that. The victims aren't considered. Everything is for the accused. The justice system is just for the accused. My mum had to take the stand, which was a traumatic experience for her. It was terrible. And to sit and watch her was just horrific. Horrific. And there was nothing we could do. Did you feel helpless? Like you're, you're, you're oh, there? Oh, completely helpless. There's absolutely helpless. nothing you can do, nothing you can say. You just can't stand up for your dad in any way. So it's just a one-sided story that was believed. So we're here today and to try and be a voice for our dad. It can't be you. <clears throat> you obviously, and no doubt in your mind, that he was the innocent party in all of this. Oh, 100%. 100%. And he paid the ultimate price with his life. Yeah. Do you remember the day itself or round about this whole incident? We're going back now to September 2015. Do you remember the last time, Sharon, you spoke to him? I remember the last time I spoke to him, yeah. And he, I just called down to my mum's house to get pillows. And um, he gave me a hug and said goodbye. And that was, really yep. That's with you. That's your last memory of him. Yep. The the day when when he was out working, he was working. He was he was on the rank. He was taking fares. Was it that that in the night, course of his yes. work that night? Yeah. yeah. And had he been in touch? Did he ring in the, to your mum or anything? Had there been any contact near the time when this incident happened? No, he went and drank at those hours. Yeah, because it's unless he wanted something or there was something wrong, or if we were so there was nothing heard of him then. When was the alarm raised? When, when did did you find out that there was something up? How did that happen? Well, my mum rang me. I wasn't living at home at the time. My mum rang me and said, Sharon, will you call down to me before you go to work? So it was about, it was before seven o'clock in the morning and I was just getting ready. And then I went into a panic. I was, why does my mum want me down? So I rang her back and I says, mum, why do you want me down? And she says, Sharon, just please come to the house now. So I got myself in a fluster. I didn't know what to wear. And then what was going through my head, I have a feeling I'd, I won't be in work today. I feel like something bad has happened. So I rang her back because my dad would usually ring me if there was anything wrong. And I asked her to put my dad in the phone. And then her voice changed. From being calm, her voice changed. She said, Sharon, just please come down to the house now. 
So I knew there was something wrong. What about from your perspective, Shauna? Did you when did you find out? Yeah, the same thing early that morning. Uh, there was a knock on the door, and at the beginning, I didn't think that Dad had. I just thought there was something wrong with Dad, and then it was a wee while later. Then I found out that he was actually killed and murdered. I thought it might have been a car crash, and I kept asking, "Is he okay?" And then um, I was just expecting him to come in the door, which I'm sure you've expected many days since w- yeah. when you when you're there that he. Yeah. It was just shock that morning. The shock you don't you just you just don't believe it. You're just in disbelief. And I think it took about maybe two hours before kind of reality hit me and I remember walking out the back door and walking around the side of the house and just collapsing. Just collapsing. My uncle Robert walked round then and actually picked me up off the floor. Did you know soon enough that this was a sinister death, that there was something how, how quickly did you find that out? Um, as soon as we were told, we were, we knew that. You knew, yeah. You have to go through then the immediate situation of identification of the whole funeral and all yeah. that. Yeah. Is that vivid in your memory, or is it a haze at this stage? A haze, parts, yeah, different yeah. parts. What do you remember? Is there anything you remember in particular? It's. It's all blocked out. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Huge turnout, I know. Numbers, yeah. people calling to the houses, friends, disbelief. Yeah, yeah. Disbelief. disbelief. The community. Yeah. So, you have to lay your dad to rest. What kind of a man was he? Paint a picture of Martin Mulligan for me. What was well, he like? He was kind, caring, loving, father with a captivating smile, a hearty laugh, and such a good person he put everybody before himself uh, he'd do anything for a laugh he just slagging all he did was slag everybody and but in a good way not in a mm. bad way so it was just that, and a way that would make you feel comfortable and happy he would make everything into a joke even everything yeah difficult situations or whatever he yeah, was able to do that yeah. yeah he loved his job he loved yeah. his family yeah, he loved sport. He was a, a real all-rounder, all wasn't he? Yes. He's a real positive person and looked forward to the future. Even if I would be giving out about something, he'd say, "Sean, come on, we're here." Mm. He's seen the positive in, in everything, everything, the good in everything. And the big thing was, he was always there for your mom and you girls. Yeah. Yes, always there, always there. And suddenly he's gone. Yeah. And you have to pick up these pieces and a lot of pieces to be picked up come back to that time if you if you both might and he's laid to rest and you have you're grieving and you have to pick up the pieces of your lives and for the first year a year after he died there was nobody identified for this murder how do you deal with that it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What is that like? Well, that was very hard. I just kept believing that hopefully they will find someone because I didn't want to live the rest of my life not knowing. Um, going into the marshes, going up the town, the paranoia that you have, you're talking to people, you think that would they know anything? Do they have anything to do with it? It's just, it's terrible. It's really terrible. Do you become a little paranoid, you know, with people, you know, when you're in company or you're walking down the street or you meet people? Uh, yes, and it's sort of, you sort of don't want to go out then. You don't want to go out and see people. You don't want to be, you know, you're just afraid looking around saying, is it that person? Why is this person looking at me for that little bit longer? It just makes you not want to go out anywhere. And... After a year, eventually, there is an arrest made. And this man is arrested. That's gone through the court system here and been sentenced and convicted of manslaughter, Joseph Hillen. How do you feel when you hear an arrest has been made and you get a name? I felt, I was like, please, hopefully this is it now. They will get something. There will be justice done for my dad. But it actually didn't turn out that it wasn't as easy as I... He always held that little bit of hope. <clears throat> that justice was going to be done. They now have somebody, he's going to be arrested now for murder and that's the way it's going and to be. But it just turned out to be completely different. Yeah. And that he would tell the police everything. Actually, at the start, he just, no comment the whole way, which was very hard. And then yeah, we were thinking he was going to be let out and nothing was going to be able to be done and that the guards wouldn't have enough evidence. He denied it initially. Yeah. But then the evidence showed different. Yeah. So it comes round then to the court case, which we talked about a little bit earlier, and you as a family have to go there. What's it like when you walk in? Did you see, did you know this man? Did you have any idea of him when you go into court? Did you see him when you go into court? Was that the first time? That's the first time I seen him, yeah. How did you feel? Blank. I didn't feel anything from him. I didn't feel hatred. I didn't feel anything. I just... Blank. That's what I felt. Generally, that's your mum and yourself that would describe your feelings. Well, you do. You feel angry when you look at that person. That person is responsible for my dad not being here today. So yes, I felt angry. Did you did you eyeball him in the court, or did did he know who you were? Obviously, he had to. He saw your mum was given evidence. He saw you yeah. in the court as well. Was there any eye contact? Or he, he never lifted his head. He never lifted his head. He just stared straight in front of him at all time or just looked at the judge. He was obviously instructed to do that. Um, I would only glance over the odd time, very rare, but 
So you go through the, the case and the evidence is heard and the outcome we started, that's where we began the conversation with the outcome of this. Yeah. Your dad is gone. He's gone a few years now. Yeah. His birthday, Christmas, family occasions. We don't have a Christmas anymore. We cancelled Christmas from the first year. We didn't buy anyone presents. Me, Sean and my mum went to Spain for four days just to escape. Everyone having a great time and would spend time with their families. We couldn't do it. The next two years we went to the Ballymac just to get away and just there gone we went to Spain again. We just, we can't face it. We can't face it. We can't face how everybody else is happy. Why shouldn't we be happy? We can't sit at the same table because... My dad loved Christmas. He was a bigger child than us, bigger child than us. And actually, Santy was there for him every Christmas morning and he loved opening his presents and it used to be great fun. It's not anymore. Can you ever see that changing? Can you ever see time easing that pain that you can cope with it? Right now, no, definitely not. No. No, I don't either. I don't know what to say. Like it's, it's it's just horrendous. I often consider this in my mind at times. To lose somebody like this must be the greatest loss of all. You know, to have somebody taken like this from you. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to think because my dad was fit and healthy, and to be honest, I just thought he was going to always be there. I didn't think that he was going to be gone. Never mind the circumstances. I got him so soon. He was a young man, wasn't he? A fit man, full of life. Yeah. Lots to give. Lots for the future to live for as well. Yourselves, your mum. Yeah. There's a a grandchild, is there? I have a child, yeah. What age? He's two. He's just gone two. Yeah. He'll have no granddad? No. He has a granddad on the other side. On the other side, side, yes. But But your dad? Yeah. He's not there. And he would have loved him. And Jay loves football. My dad loved football. They just they would have had a great time together. And my dad loved kids, really loved kids. Yeah. Because there's a young lad called Keen. Who's Keen? Yeah. Tell me about Keen. Keen used to live next door to us when we lived in Marion Park. And his dad um, died when his mum was pregnant of um, sudden adult sy- syndrome. Yes. And <clears throat> Maeve was going back to work, so my mum minded him say three days a week so Maeve could go back to work that's his mum and him Keen and my dad formed a really strong relationship which they still had until the day that he was taken away he used to pick him up from school he used to take him to football he used to take him out in the lorry he'd go down every Christmas as well to see them he, that's the first Keen thing he'd do Christmas morning he would go down to see Keen and his brother Daniel so that's taken away from those lads as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure they were hit hard by this. They took it very hard. Yeah. How do you go on? I know you both, you're a child, you're working, you have your mum to think about as well. And, and come back to that, you were saying to me that your mum is nearly struggling more now since yeah, we what always, we would call closure of this has happened. Yeah, we always had something to to focus on. It was from the arrest, then it was to get in a court case and then now that the court case is over, it's it, it's nearly harder. It's nearly harder because 
what do you focus on now? And especially with the outcome of the courts, it's just like a kick in the face. So Yeah, there was always a little bit of hope. Of we always thought there'd be a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, but that was just... So the manslaughter conviction and the length of the sentence, six years, one uh, knocked off at the end by the judge, has added to your great pain. Yes, and he has done two years in jail, so effectively he'll be out in two and a half years. With remission and the way that works, is yeah, it, with the, yeah. with the system? system yeah. Like there is a chance that myself or anybody in my family could bump, bump into, into him or meet him somewhere. Will that be just the worst case scenario for you? Yeah. Oh yes, just yeah. to see that person out then living a normal life because he will when he comes out. Whereas we're still in the same situation that we... We'll have to leave the in. restaurant, we'll have to leave the shops, we'll have to leave the street, we'll have to... We'll always have to be the one to leave. So it feels like we're living a prison sentence and not him. So basically what you're saying to me, the victim and the victim's family continue to be victims forever. Yes. Yeah. Which doesn't sound right, does it? No. no, it doesn't sound right. Not at all. No. And something needs to change. Is that what you're calling for today? You wanted to come on here and just... And I thank you for it again. Tell us how you're feeling and what your deep feelings are. Is that what you want to see? Would you like to see change? Yeah, we'd like to see change with the justice system. If it doesn't change for us, hopefully for somebody else. In terms of the category of the sentence and the duration as well. You're talking yes. about both here. Yes. Does it pain you every day? You know, every day you wake. Is he on your mind all the time? Does it? Do you carry him with you everywhere? Every day. Constantly, yeah. And... I used to get nightmares, Sean, you still get nightmares? Yeah. It's just constantly thinking of the night it happened. What if? What if? Little things had been yeah. different or changed. And yeah, and then you just sort of think of how he felt on the night. Could you leave anybody? I was thinking about this myself. I couldn't leave a bird on the side of the road injured. No, you couldn't. No. They left him there and he was there for a few minutes. Yeah. That haunts my mum. Haunts us all, I think. Yeah. And then even with the severity of his injuries and the image that you have in your head of that, it's very hard to um, not get it out of your mind. Mm. Do you know? Um, like he had to drag himself a couple of feet and then it was too late. He bled to death at the end, yeah. How do you ever, or is, is there no such thing as recovery? Is, is that the bottom line? Is that what you're telling me today? That you you can never over this? Well, I can't see it. I can't see it right now. I can't see it. No, you never will. And you know the depth of feeling from your family, extended family, friends, community, everybody. I'm sure people listening to this today are just... That hinders so much um, of your thoughts for your future. Mm. You know, like like maybe getting married or yeah, you know, occasions like that. Special occasions, yeah. He won't be there. It's shocking, I have to say. It really is shocking. And you're two wonderful women, I have to say, to come here today 
and talk to me in the way you have, honestly, about the depth of your feeling and the love for your father, which will never, ever change. No. All I can say is, I wish and I hope, pray someday, you'll be able to find peace in some way with your lives. Thank you. For the moment, Shauna and Sharon Mulligan, thank you for joining me on the show. Thank, thank you, Jerry. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.